Welcome to this edition of the Golf Central Podcast, presented by Callaway Golf. Brian Ladner, soon to be joined by my colleague, Rex Hogger. We're going to be getting into all the good stuff. Rory's disastrous finish in Dubai. Will Zalatoris' putting at Torrey. Of course, his unfortunate WD because of COVID. Jordan Spieth returns to Pebble Beach in need of a good week. And, of course, the big old seven-ton elephant in the room, which is the Saudi International, where 20 of the top 50 players in the world are teeing it up. We're going to be getting into all of that, including Rex's special location uh, for this podcast. But first, the new Chrome Soft golf balls from Callaway are better for the best and better for everyone. This new family is available in Chrome Soft, Chrome Soft X, and Chrome Soft XLS. Each of these golf ball offerings incorporates the company's proprietary new precision technology, for the tightest dispersions, consistently fast ball speeds, and total performance. And they are already in play for John Rahm, Xander Schauffele, and Phil Mickelson. These new balls are available now, and you can head over to CallawayGolf.com to find out which Chrome Soft is right for you. Rex, you are in Orlando. I am in Ponte Vedra. That is not what our schedule was supposed to look like this week. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be where you are, and where you are is in the old Golf Channel building, now called the NBC Sports Building uh, in Orlando. You showed me your visitor pass. You're not a visitor. You've, you've, gone, you've been going to this building for like 20 years. You're, what what happened? Your, your swipe card got denied? Uh, I'm, I'm a visitor, although I'm sitting at my same desk, but it doesn't have my name on it anymore. And I'm in the newsroom, which everyone probably remembers from the good old days, but it's now called the arena and we have been relocated. And, and I'll say this, when, when I came in on Monday to do the show that you're supposed to be doing, we'll get deeper into that. There was some nostalgia walking in the door because Arnie's cart, golf cart is still place. there. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it was such a it, it really, really special place to work. There was some serious nostalgia sitting here, kind of looking around, remembering some of the old things. You know what I didn't miss? And this is like the depths of the first world problems. I was going to say Jay Coffin, Jay Coffin yelling at us. Uh, Nope. There is someone in Jay's all brand new desk, all brand new computers, really brand new. Everything there's who's food in the green room now. Telemundo. I I don't know who's in here. I can't. I couldn't tell. I know. I think golf now. Golf now. Golf now does stuff in there. Yeah. So so the reason why is uh, the embassy sports production for the Olympics has basically been brought in house in Connecticut. So golf channel operations have been pushed out to road shows, uh, basically over three of the next four weeks. So I was supposed to be in Connecticut. I have yet to see our Stanford studio. Was supposed to go up there. This whole thing happens. I'm excited. I book a hotel down to come for Orlando. Supposed to have dinner with you guys. Everything was going to be great. And Rex, what do I return home from? The Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Ponds on Sunday morning to I return home to a COVID castle. Three-year-old son, positive. Four or five-month-old baby. Four or five? Yeah, I mean, she's in the the middle. Four and a half month. Uh, Wife, still inconclusive probably already had it. Uh, so I'm a ticking time bomb over here, uh, expecting that I'm going to be testing positive on Friday or Saturday. Rex, what would you have done if you were in my position? Would you leave my family to fend for themselves or would you fall on the grenade essentially knowing that you're about to get COVID just, just an FYI, I am vaxxed I am boosted. And right now, basically all I have is sniffles. 
I mean, you could have come down and done your job and I wouldn't have had to deal with I-4 traffic to make it all about me and make it selfish. I don't think you'd have been allowed to go home. So I think you ended up making the right call. But yeah, you certainly could have come down here and done this show. I mean, it was only three days. Like Today's the last day. You could have zipped back home tonight. And then I would have been divorced and without a, yes. <laughs> without a family to come home to. So, so maybe I wouldn't ever be coming home to uh, Ponte Vedra. That's enough about me. Uh, no one cares. Uh, if you like to send a care package, uh, I will leave my address uh, in the podcast description. Rex, how, how have things been going on, on golf today? This is, this isn't a, a, you're typically the, the reporter. You're the insider. You're, they bring you on for notes packages. But here you get to, you get to cut up with the boys, Maddie Adams and Shane Bacon. It, it's been fun. It's been enlightening. This is the first time. Well, it's the first time I've been back in the office in two years for obvious reasons, but it's the first time I think I've done this show in well over two years. I don't think we, we had been doing this show on a regular basis. We were back, back on the road and doing reports from there. The one part I've, I've enjoyed the most, and it does give you some room to talk, some room to you know dig into some subjects, but it's the interviews that have been fun. Yesterday, we had a chance to talk to Macklemore, which I mean, He's kind of a golf nerd. It was a fun conversation. I was terrified so we, because we had some fashion questions for him. And I kept thinking to bogey myself. Boys. He, Bo- bogey, bogey boys. Bogey boys. Apparel. I'm sure he's yeah. going to send you some in extra small. Uh, I, I think Shane Bacon begged for a couple boxes. So, yes, if I get it, I'll be sure to pass them on to you. But I was terrified. I'm, talking still, just, fashion. I'm still just looking for a driver. I really just want a driver. Nine and a half <laughs> degrees stiff shaft. There it is. Another cheap plug. Uh, I was terrified, though. If he has a monitor and he can see who he's talking to, he, he must be thinking to himself, I'm talking fashion with this one. Does he own a mirror? Why am I doing this? Uh, and then today, and I want to get your your input. We're, we're taping this early Wednesday morning. We have a show this, this morning later. Uh, we have Mia Hamm on the show. And I was thinking on my drive in all the former, things I Former soccer player for those who are not following along. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, that former, I mean, she was, you know, the goat U, former, USA soccer, right? Goat, yeah. right? I mean, she's, yeah. she's it. And I, I'm thinking of all these questions that I want to ask her and they're kind of all selfish questions just about dealing with pressure and, you know, what was more the world cup or the Olympics. I mean, I'm thinking that like, how do I, what would you ask Mia Hamm if you had the opportunity? And you should have had first the question. Be, first, first question is why? Why are you coming on the show? Uh, I think it's Olympics related. Would be my guess. I mean, we, you know, we're she all about the Winter Olympics. Olympics? Oh, no, not the Winter Olympics, but the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I think isn't it all under one banner? Do we have to se- sort of separate it all out? I guess so. I mean, wouldn't you view Sean White, the greatest snowboarder of all time, a little differently than Usain Bolt? I, I think so. Uh, I did not know this about Sean White. You know, he's kind of he's. Well, obviously the goat when it comes to snowboarding, it's certainly goat when it comes to snowboarding in the Olympics, but they didn't even know if he was going to qualify. I just know this because Shane Bacon is going to be the reporter calling those. Yeah. From, from Stanford. Uh, I mean, from Connecticut. And he was explaining to me yesterday about, they, they weren't even sure if he was going to qualify. It's like this huge oh deal. And yesterday we had um, the expert from sports bet on the show. What do you think the over under is? on the number of gold medals the U.S. team's going to win in the Winter Olympics? Over, under, um, total? Yeah. Uh, 35 and a half? Eight and a hook. That's it. Eight and a half. Whoa. Really? They do not have very high expectations for Team USA. Anyway, get back to your original question. It's, it's been the interviews that I've enjoyed the most. Again, very excited about Mia today. Had the opportunity to talk to Loop List on Monday after his victory at Torrey Pines on Saturday. And, you know, just – you and I are the same. Like we, I'd much rather listen than talk. Yeah. And I think it is, you know, always good for us to get out of our little golfy bubble to talk to a, a Mac Lamar, talk to 
Amiya Ham. I'm hoping we'll have an opportunity to to talk to some of these Winter Olympics. Like I absolutely, I think I love the Winter Olympics more than the Summer Olympics. I love watching snowboarding. I love watching downhill skiing, uh, all those sorts of things. Uh, since what you about brought dressage? Up- dressage. Who? We fell in love with dressage. You remember that? Uh, I'm gonna need a refresher on what that is. That's a lot, the thing a lot that has, Rory a lot has happened te- since. Was was tweeting about at the Summer Games last year, oh, yeah. and, and like we all sort of dove in, and it's it's mesmerizing. It's the it's the dancing horses is essentially what yes. It is. Yes, the the least athletic endeavor uh, that they have perhaps <laughs> potentially uh, in the Olympics. Since you brought up Luke List, uh, I was covering uh, that tournament. First tournament that I've covered since the Ryder Cup. Boy, it was glorious to get back uh, out on the road until I had to return home uh, to the COVID house. Luke List won it first playoff hole, absolutely stuffed uh, a wedge in near darkness. I know they always have a joke on social media about how the cameras uh, make it lighter than it appears. Folks, I promise you, it was basically darkness like you could not see anything you could not fall i was standing behind the green i could not follow the ball coming off the club face from just 120 yards uh, it was an incredible shot great to see uh lucas finally break through at what age 37 uh but but his uh swing coach jamie mulligan has really um i think elevated his profile in recent years not just coaching uh, the FedEx Cup champion and Patrick Cantlay, but also Nelly Corda and now a PGA Tour winner in Luke List. But Rex, I'm curious your take on this. I kind of found it ironic that Torrey Pines, one of the most brutish uh, golf courses that you're going to find in the regular PGA Tour slate, a place that that really rewards supreme ball striking. You had two players in Luke List and Will Zaltoris who in the player in, in the playoff, arguably the worst putters situationally that you have on the PGA tour. Luke list has been outside the top 150 in strokes game putting the majority of his career. I think six of the last seven years, Will Zalatoris, uh, his short putting is was literally making the CBS crew yelp and, and, and groan every time he pulled back the putter. What were your thoughts on the playoff? How Will Zalatoris found himself in that playoff? And I guess eventually Luke list winning that playoff. Well, this goes back to talking with Luke. I was fascinated by the idea that he had over two hours, right? Between the time he finished to the time that he actually I think it was like 90 minutes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really, really long time. And, and how you spend that amount of time, how your mind sort of wanders. Luckily, he had his family with him. So he talked about, you know, spending time with his daughter and getting something to eat and relaxing a little bit. Ryan, it two was ends. A, Ryan, Ryan two with ends two ends. That would, you should do that. You should change your name to Ryan with two I, ends. I believe that's the female version, like Ryan O'Toole. No, you can pull it off. Trust me. You, hi, I'm Ryan with two N's. Think how cool that would be to introduce yourself that way. Uh, but no, doing the show on Monday, talking about it, what gets me is you're right. Neither one of these players sort of stand out as someone who's going to win a putting contest, not to quote John Rahm on that one, but poopy putting contest maybe is the way he would say it. He's but the one thing. The one thing that I kept going back to is Will Zalatoris has been this bright, shining light of the young American wave that that's just taking over golf. When you look at all these young players, what he was able to do last year to earn a tour card when there was really no way to earn a tour card, all of these things that people just celebrated. And then one final round you know, under the spotlight, under that CBS spotlight with everyone watching every time you pull the putter back, suddenly everyone, at least on social media, is screaming, he can't putt. Like, all right, well, no, he's never been a very good putter. This just didn't crop up. This has always been the issue. He's always been a middle-of-the-road guy, and I truly believe that, like everyone else who's been put in this position, he'll figure out a way to be an average putter, and when he has a good putting week, he'll probably be right there and probably win a couple of times. But I don't see how 
at least with the stroke he has right now, you can pull it off. If he needs a paradigm of hope, something to look forward to, it's Luke List, where over the course of his career, again, not a very good putter, very, very good ball striker. The work he's done with Jamie Mulligan, as you pointed out, has been fantastic. But he's been a guy that's just kind of hung in there, given himself a couple opportunities, never gotten it done. And even at his age, even at this point where he is a veteran on the PGA Tour, you, you can still get it done. Yeah, Luke Liss, uh switching to Stephen Sweeney as a putting coach uh, during the offseason. They worked a little bit on tension and relieving some of the tension that he found in his legs. That's kind of the, one of the stress points that he has. I, and I'm not sure. Maybe that's the direction Will Zalatoris needs to go to. He already used as a sports uh, psychologist. But as you, as you pointed out, and I think very accurately, I mean, this has been a, a lifelong struggle for Will Zalatoris. This wasn't just an issue that cropped up once he got on the PJ Tour. This goes back to his junior days. He was such a poor putter that it literally scared away like Texas, his, his home state uh, university and Stanford. They said, we don't, we don't want this guy. He looks too broken on the greens. Went, went to the claw grip while in college ended up being a two-time all American. And really this switch to the arm lock putter with a little bit of a claw grip on the right hand uh, has really saved him. And look, he is not a good putter by any stretch of the imagination. Last season, he ranked 122nd on the PJ tour. However, that is still better, Rex, than the world number two, Colin Morikawa. That is still better than the reigning Masters champion in Hideki Matsuyama. Will Zalatoris is never going to win a putting contest or a piece of poop uh, putting contest, as John Rom would say it. However, he just needs to be an average putter. And at Torrey Pines, unfortunately, he really struggled. This was a tournament that Will Zalatoris should have won by five or six shots quite easily. He gained 12.45 strokes on the field from tee to green. You don't see that. He blew away the field with his ball striking. But on, on the, uh, excuse me, Friday, the third round, he shot the easiest 65 you can ever imagine, and he missed six times from inside 15 feet. Let me say that again. He shot 65 on Torrey South while missing six times from inside 15 feet in the final round. The longest putt that he made was five feet, seven inches. PJ Tour, the modern PJ Tour, is a ball striking contest. It is a matter of who hits the ball the best. Will Zalatoris. Not according to John Rahm. Will Zalatoris, well, depending on the uh, tournament you're playing in and if you are in the desert in a dome-like setting. However, it is a ball striking contest. It is just a matter of whether you can putt better than the other good ball strikers. Will Zalatoris is going to get his... And I think once he gets that first one, once everything sort of aligns and he can make some of those clutch 15-footers situationally, uh, I think he will be off and running. Another guy who came up just a little bit short, one shot short, in fact, was Roy McIlroy. And that's a guy that, once again, like Will Zalatoris, you would have expected to win by a couple of shots. Instead, Roy McIlroy looking for his third win in his last 17 starts, trying to get all the way back up to number three in the world. Well, he butchered the drivable 17th in Dubai, and then from 267 wrecks with a chance to slam the door on the tournament, instead, splash, rinsed his three-wood on the 72nd hole, wound up one shot shy of the playoff that was eventually won by Victor Hovland. We can get to Victor Hovland in a second. I first want your reaction to Roy McIlroy, his disastrous finish. I know you're in the bag for Rory, but 
this one kind of stings, does it not? Oh, it has to sting. It, on doing the show with Matt Adams on Monday, I, I thought it was interesting because we this obviously led to the conversation about the rip shirt last year, which you and I have have laughed way too much about. Like we've taken way too much joy over just the visual of him trying to rip that shirt. And I don't know where Matt got this information, but he explained to me on air that, oh, well, no, it was the shirt that was uncomfortable. And that's why at the end of the round, he ripped it. And with all due respect to, to Matt and anyone else who wants to come to the Rory's defense. And again, I am in the bad for Rory. No, that was pure anger. And again, it's the, just the pure comedy. I'm pretty sure Rory admitted as much that that, that, that was done yes. out of anger. It's not like, oh, this was no fitting shirt. I need to, I need to rid myself of this right now. Yes. No, it was pure anger. I think the only thing he was truly angry about is, you know, someone got a glimpse of him and what he thought was going to be a private moment. In this particular case, uh, I didn't quite, it, it's almost as much comedy that when he hits the shot into the water on the last hole, his second shot on the par five and Harry Diamond reaches for the fairway wood in, in desperation, like, nope, nope, nope. Hand it over big guy. Take it easy. Take a deep <laughs> breath. Don't do it. Cause he wanted to snap that golf club so much, but he knows. I mean, he's, like, I'm just- he snapped him. He's flung him. He's done everything. He's pounded him. He, everything he's, you can possibly do to equipment or apparently apparel he has done in his career. And he's just going to become another gif. Like he knows, like Harry Diamond stepped in, like, no, pal. Hey, take it easy. Come on, big guy. Hand it over. Settle down. You're going uh, like- to get, you're gonna get memed to death. Just give it to me. Yeah. Come on. Uh, it twofold here. Of course, it's disappointing. And you, you look at this as in uh, two ways. I guess you would say, oh, he gave himself an opportunity and didn't get it done. I think I've said this before, and I'm going to probably keep coming back to it. He's the most inconsistent star player in the game right now. And when I say that, that if we're having a conversation about – the best three, four, five players, whatever you want to rank them. He is always, at least in my mind, going to be in that conversation. That being said, when he gets in a Sunday setting where in the past you would think a player of his caliber would close it out, I don't have a huge amount of confidence in him being able to do that. And look, we, we talked about there was mud on the golf ball. Well, if that's the case, then maybe he should have laid up. But this is Roy at his best, no? I mean, we talked about this last week when he mentioned that maybe I need to dial back with the driver, why would you do that? That's your he best did. weapon. He dialed back in the 72nd he, he hole. He hit three wood three off wood. the hole, yeah, off the tee, which, which was probably the bigger mistake than the second shot, I would argue. But I don't know. Like His power, his ability to do things with the golf ball that a lot of other players, and in this particular case, Victor Hovland can't do, and he did it. Like So I'm not going to sit here and criticize him because this is what you do best. Yeah, I mean, this one's going to sting. I don't think he's the type of player that's, that's going to show up whenever we see him next and, and really be down on himself. I think the bigger issue is this pressure is only going to build. It always does. It's, it's like, I mean, as we get closer to spring, as we get closer to Augusta, it doesn't get any easier for him. And look, I, I want to be very clear on this. I have zero issue with the decision-making on the 72nd hole and, and hitting three wood and trying to go for the green. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, he need to just lay up and, you know, play, f- play for the playoff. And if he hits a great wedge shot, then, then, you know, he's going to, he's going to win by one. That is Rory McIlroy's expertise. It is hitting these, these long, high soaring three woods. Even if there's a little bit of mud on the golf ball, there was plenty of bailout long and left. If he wanted to miss that way, the fact of the matter is it was just very poor execution. I mean, that wasn't even close to clearing the water that was 20 yards short with with the high uh, spinny fade that he hit into there fine idea poor execution no problem with it whatsoever what it does underscore is a little bit of these sunday scaries that he has now had you think back to the u.s open he had a bogey double stretch on the back nine at tory ponds when he had an opportunity uh, to win his first major since 2014 obviously did not play well at the Ryder cup and in fact 
got benched. You look back to uh, Dubai, the season finale uh, on the DP World Tour, uh, also had an opportunity to win and retreated. And even you know, two weeks ago in Abu Dhabi, it was a, a very much a long shot for him to win the title. However, he had an opportunity, post a good number and see what happens, uh, ended up bogeying three of his last five holes. This is basically the opposite of what we'd seen with Rory over the past couple of years. He's kind of struggled out of the gates. I remember him asking, you know, repeatedly if there's anything to his Thursday, Friday struggles, and he just kind of shook it off as it's golf. Now it seems to be uh, on the weekend and particularly on Sunday, save for the CJ cup where he shot 62, 66 on the weekend, big picture. I think you need to take a step back this Sunday in Dubai was obviously very disappointing, but when you look at it, Rory has now had an opportunity to win three times in his last 17 starts. He is miles ahead of where we thought he would be uh, based on uh, where he looked in his Ryder Cup performance. He won at the CJ Cup, had an opportunity to win in Dubai, and really has had an opportunity to win in his first two starts of 2022. That is the big picture to me. These sorts of little things can get cleaned up. He can be better situationally putting. He can be better with his wedge play. He's going to focus uh, on that that driver three-wood decision planning uh, off the tee, big picture. I think things are pointing up for Rory as we uh, look towards uh, the Masters. Now, a tournament Rex that was on the DP World Tour and is no longer on the DP World Tour for some obvious reasons is the Saudi International. Really good field, better field than what we have at the PGA Tours AT and T Pebble Beach National Pro Am. Dustin Johnson, the defending champion. Bryson DeChambeau, apparently shaking off his uh, wrist and back issues. Xander Schauffele, Matthew Wolf, uh, any number of players. It's, 10, it's 20 of the top 50 in the world. What do you make, Rex, of the Saudi International, the tournament uh, that is not spoken of in Camp PVB? I think it's going to be fascinating the way this plays out. And look, there's some press conferences today that I really want to see, like Phil Mickelson, which will be about mid-morning our time. He is Phil not Mickelson spoken. giving a press conference at the Saudi International, but not as the tournament host at the American Express. Very interesting. Yes, I was getting to that. Yes, it's it's, it's going to be interesting only because you're going to be asked difficult questions. And to a certain degree, most of the athletes who have done this, Xander being the best example yesterday, have found a way to wiggle out of this and just say, I'm a competitor. I'm here to compete. I'm not here to get into the politics. Yes. And by and large, that probably works. For some, it does not work. And it's there's going to be a price to pay. I pointed this out on yesterday's show, however, and I think you need to dig in on it, that most of the players who I've talked to about this particular event, signed three or four year deals three or four years ago when this was not an issue. When, as you pointed out, the Saudi International was part of the DP World Tour schedule. It was in the family. It was all fine. It, it didn't. It, you did not have whatever's going on between Greg Norman and Liv Goff Investments and the PGA Tour. Now it's become awkward and it's become weird. And I don't think it's sustainable, at least for the top players. Like I don't think they can continue to sit on the fence and to take huge vast amounts of money to go over and play in this event and still tell the PGA tour, no, I'm loyal to you. It's not going to be an issue. I think this is probably going to be it. I can't imagine we're going to be sitting here at the same time next year, having this exact same conversation because I think the tour is going to have to draw a line in the sand. Now I thought it was wild yesterday, listening to Greg Norman's press conference 12 times in that press conference, 12 times he used a version of healthy competition or something thereabouts healthy competition. And that's what he keeps leaning into. 
it's funny how he looks at it as healthy competition. I would be curious to see what Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour would call that. I mean, wouldn't the PGA Tour view this as an existential threat? You have players who needed to get releases from the PJ tour in order to play in this tournament. And in exchange, they're supposed to play uh, the Pebble beach national pro-am once or twice in the next three years to that. Xander Shoffley said, quote, we will see, but just uh, listening to some of the press conferences today uh, in Saudi Arabia, Lee Westwood said he is uh, not allowed to talk about the uh, proponent or the, uh, excuse me, the, um, uh, the Super Golf League and what they're proposing because he has signed an NDA. Uh, it's like Rex, uh, he's in this marriage uh, that, that maybe he doesn't want to be in, maybe he does want to be in, uh, but whatever the case is, uh, it is very lucrative uh, for him. Ian Poulter, according to The Telegraph, has reportedly been offered $30 million to sign up uh, for the Super Golf League. And Dustin Johnson even admitted, Dustin Johnson, the world number five, uh, just the uh, PGA Tour Player of the Year, just a year ago, said that he was very interested in the Super Golf League's ideas, thought it was a good idea. And when asked uh, about Ian Poulter's proposal and the $30 million on offer and asked if he had received a similar offer, Dustin Johnson said with a laugh, no, it was not similar. It's just not similar, otherwise known as $30 million. Try 75, try a hundred million dollars. But yes, I'm very curious to see uh, what Phil Mickelson says uh, in his press conference. Rex, do you think it's an accurate assumption? Do you think it's a fair assumption to look at the field at the Saudi international and say that these are the players that, yeah, you could see jumping ship to the super golf league, or do you differentiate them totally say this is Saudi international guys who clearly just wanted to collect some handsome appearance fees and these are the guys who would actually be willing to uh, spurn the PGA Tour and join a rival a rival league. It's probably split. I mean, I don't think we know what's in the hearts of hearts right now because no one has been willing to step up and say, yes, I'm doing this or I'm jumping ship. I think when you go down the line, though, you can see just by what they have not said, maybe by more so than what they have said, certainly the Henrik Stinsons of the world and the Adam Scotts of the world and the Lee Westwoods of the world – have made it clear that yes, the, the flirtation has gone beyond just the talking phase. I no think Adam Scott, on. I think Adam, Adam Scott has, has switched back to the PJ tour side. Has he not? I mean, he's played the last two weeks on the DP world tour. He's not, he's not teeing it up this week. I found that to be very interesting. It, it is. However, he was the one that probably was the most outspoken yeah. when this first surfaced saying that, yes, I like the concept of being able to, to post up at home. I think was the phrase he used to me in Australia for a couple of months and then can, compete on an international schedule for just 15 weeks out of the year. If that's the theory, if that's the concept that they're digging into, you can kind of go down the line and see who's leaning one way and who's leaning the other way. Certainly Phil Mickelson is one that seems to be leaning in that direction. No one has signed on though. I mean, we're going to continue to have these conversations and that's all they're going to be until someone signs on Norman himself even said, whatever the international series was that they announced earlier, the 10 events, the 30, $300 million it's just this is the first brick in what they hope to build as a building. And I don't know that we're anywhere closer to getting the foundation of that building poured simply because you don't have those names. You need the Henrik Stinsons and the Ian Poulters and the Phil Mickelsons to step up and say, yes, I'm with them. And, and I don't even know how close those players are. 
what do you make of this international series, this this ten event series? The investment that they're making in the Asian Tour has been bumped from two hundred to three hundred million dollars, and yet these tournaments that they've announced, I think, what's in Thailand and Hong Kong, and it's going to be one outside London. I mean, it's a, a ten event series. Is that what are are those going to be eventually the basis of this Super Golf League schedule? Or are these you know entirely separate? entities or is this eventually going to be folded into that because i mean two million dollars for a purse is nothing you look at the puerto rico open which is played op- opposite the pj tours arnold palmer invitational that's a three and a half million dollar purse so yeah. having a two million dollar purse in hong kong is 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 child's play to these guys obviously they're going to be getting money through appearance fees but for an actual tournament purse it's nothing yeah, it could be the foundation. I mean, they, or it could just be a feeder system. So those are two things that we, you know, that you could sit and talk about. Okay, if you get, let's say you get your 12 team owners, which are the Hendrick Stensons and the Phils and the Lee Westwoods that we've talked about, how do they fill out their teams? I mean, then we're start talking about, okay, they need rosters and what has become, you know, in this Formula One type concept that we've talked about that the Super League is going to be considering. This could, could certainly fall under that category or it could be, yes, this is what we want the Super League schedule to look like. These are the places we want to visit. These are the markets we want to be in. And here's a good start of where we want to be. Of everything that was in that release yesterday, and look, bumping it up another $100 million is no small amount of money. But over 10 years, as you pointed out, these purses aren't huge by PGA Tour standards, at least. The one thing that stood out to me is they have an event in England in June that's 31 miles away from the DP World Tour headquarters. That would be like them holding an event in St. Augustine, which is about 30 miles from Ponte Vedra and the global headquarters of the PGA Tour. If that's not a shot across the bow, I don't know what is. I mean, the only way to do it is to actually try to play it at Wentworth, where they're, they're actually based out of. I mean, it, it could not be more disrespectful. And, and again, Greg Norman talked about healthy competition and respectful competition. I don't think there was a lot of respect in picking that particular venue. I would, I would certainly agree with that. It's also played uh, the week before the U.S. Open, uh, which is going to be at Brookline in Massachusetts. So I'm not sure uh, who exactly is going to uh, turn up for that one uh, in advance of the U.S. Open. The first tournament that they have scheduled is also played opposite uh, Bay Hill, which has invitational status uh, on the PJ Tour, one of the most lucrative regular season events. So I'll be curious to see which players ask for releases, are granted releases, are denied releases. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I would have thought, Rex, with Greg Norman promising uh, the launching of this tour and actually tournaments being played in 2022, promising that things could be up and going in the first quarter, I thought the press conference ahead of the Saudi International, which is basically their flagship tournament, uh, you would have thought that this would be a great time to announce some player signings. Instead, uh, we are no closer to that decision. Now, the tournament played opposite this of course is the AT&T Pebble Beach National Pro-Am and just naturally it is not as strong of a field because most of them are in Saudi Arabia of Jordan Spieth headlining if Patrick Cantley the reigning PJ Tour player of the year and future Rex future TV feature subject uh stay tuned for that one uh the week of the players championship with yours truly Daniel Berger is the defending champion Will Zaltoris unfortunately we just mentioned him at the beginning of the podcast a tested positive for COVID-19 on Monday, just like Cam Lavner. Uh, and so he will not be uh, teeing up this week. I want to focus on Spieth. Uh, saw him last week at Torrey Pines. Did not look good. Uh, not just saying because of his game and his second round 78. He literally did not look good. 
he had a bacterial infection. Uh, it was a good thing he was wearing black pants, uh, as his manager told me, because it was a little bit of a rough stretch for him. Rex, since the Open, since the Open Championship and the runner-up uh, finished there at Burkdale, he has not played great. He has not played great. Six of his last seven events on the PGA Tour, he has lost strokes, gained tee to green, has not looked good in the first two events of 2022. And now he heads to Pebble Beach, where he has five top tens in his first nine appearances there. What are you taking? Current form or course history when it comes to Jordan Spieth? And where's your concern level? I think current form only because of everything that happened early last season that made us encouraged by Jordan Spieth. And I'm talking about the, the tie for third here at Pebble Beach, which sort of set up what he was able to do at the Texas Open just a few weeks later and get that win and seem to get the momentum back that he had lost for so long. I think we're sort of dismissing the idea that everything he had to do to get back to that mark took so much out of him. It was such a physical toll. And he talked about it at the end of last year. I mean, it was kind of comical what he and Henrik Stinson did on Saturday about teeing off on the wrong tee. And both of them sort of looked at each other and agreed, well, if we both either disqualified or WD, can we still get paid? Because both of them just wanted to go home. And I think that gave you an idea of where Jordan's head was, at least in December. And I don't know that he's refreshed enough, at least looking at the results since then. He, He tied for 21st at the Tournament of Champions out of 39, I believe, was that field. So squarely middle of the pack. And then, of course, missed the cut at Torrey Pines. I think this has more to do with just where he is physically than where maybe his game is. Because I do believe the things we saw out of his game last year were very encouraging. Not just the win, but he, he had a lot of opportunities. He gave himself a lot of looks on Sunday. And that's what he wants to do. I would agree with that. And, and look, I think the form that we saw at the Open Championship, normal years without a a historic performance from from Kyle Morikawa, not just with his ball striking, uh, but on the greens. That would have been uh, Jordan Spieth's fourth major championship. I would like to correct the record. I said that was at Burkdale. Uh, that is, of course, where Jordan won the Open Championship in 2017. The tournament last year was won by Kyle Morikawa at Royal St. George's. And look, I think it's easy to say that, you know, that, that the run in the majors uh, took a lot out of him. It's easy to say he was probably distracted with the birth of his first child in November upcoming. I think it's easy to say, well, his form hasn't been the best in 2022 uh, because of the various issues he's had. He had a sinus infection uh, at Kapalua that destroyed his stomach that left him susceptible to this bacterial infection in his stomach bug, uh, which plagued him at Torrey Pond. So look, there's been a lot going on in Jordan Spieth's world and life over the last four to six months, but now it's time to get cooking. Is it not Rex? He's playing now for the uh, second time uh, of a four-week stretch. This is uh, just about the time that he starts to get cooking a little bit before we start turning to our attention to Florida, and then we start turning our attention to the Masters. I don't think, regardless of form, uh, you and I are stupid enough to, to say that he wouldn't be among the favorites at Augusta National, but I certainly would like to see him return to form a little bit because I don't think it's any uh, accident that he has now lost strokes to the game, uh, strokes to the field, tee to green, six of his last seven starts. That's that's a large enough sample size to say that hey, his game is not quite sharp right now. There are p- plenty of players who, if they played poorly on the West Coast, I would say yes, something's wrong. There's alarm going in to the major championship season as we get through Florida, as we start getting towards the Masters. Jordan's not one of them because we've seen it time and time again. I mean, he can continue to lose strokes. To I just want to see something. I, I want to see something, like to see something. Uh, especially at a, at a place like Pebble Beach where he's had so much success. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and this is probably a good place for him to start because I don't know. The danger here, of course, is he he slips into the same pr- 
you know, sort of mold that he found himself in two years ago, where he was trying to play his way out of this slump. And I don't think that worked. I think he, he and his swing coach had just had to go back to the drawing board and figure things out a little bit different way because he's talked about this in the past about every time I would play and play a bad round, that was just one more thing that would go into the memory bank as, nope, I'm not good enough. Yes, this is something else I have to overcome. So I don't want to see him try to do that. But you're right, Pebble Beach is probably a good place I'd like to see some sort of access. Uh, Rex, this is a home game for you. You're going to Phoenix next week. Didn't get to talk to you much last week. Uh, how are things with the pit barrel cooker? Uh, good. I didn't actually, I didn't get a chance to use it last week. We had a big party for a friend of mine just turned 60. That's old. Probably shouldn't. Wow. You're, you're, you're hanging, you're hanging with 60. I'm not turning That's... 60. He, he, he was 60. Yes. But I mean, was... you're not, you're not, you're not very far away, unfortunately. All right. Let's take it easy. Yeah, I get it. Old joke. Let's, let's keep going back to those. <laughs> uh, so you, so you didn't get to fire it up. Uh, it's very yep. upsetting. Uh, I know some uh, potential sponsors are are looking into to Riders Block, <laughs> and I think I think you and I uh, would would be very heartened uh, to do a a grilling segment. Um, that's one of our our passions, along with with covering golf journalism. And so Rex, if we can if we can combine those two passions, uh, golf journalism, and of course grilling, I know we would be. Uh, thrilled to do so i do hope uh, that we can make that happen in the future rex uh, best of luck uh in the excuse me uh, the arena uh set which arena. is now called not the not the newsroom set uh, i'll be sure to tune in noon eastern time on wednesday you can catch rex and shane bacon you still going to phoenix next week rex you still uh entering uh the different kind of arena Yes, as long as I stay away from the quarantine that is the Labner household, I still plan to travel to, to Scottsdale on Sunday and to do the show next week. I'm excited. I've never done, I've never been to that event. And uh, I hope the party is as advertised. It, it will be. I think you're, are you, are you a Monday? Have you been? Friday have you covered week? it? Have yes, you done I have it? covered it. I've, gone, I've covered it once and I really don't have much of a desire, uh, desire to do it again. Why so? Uh, that's not my scene. Uh, some people seen as Vegas, some people seen as Monterey, uh, some people seen as Phoenix, some people seen as Torrey Pines. Uh, I'm more of the latter of those two. So the outdoor cocktail party just doesn't do it for you? I mean, if it's football, sure. Uh, but for, for a golf tournament, I think it's cool to see once. Uh, well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, my, it wouldn't be, more... wouldn't be my scene to partake in. Are you more sitting behind the, the 12th tee at Augusta? Or are you more sitting on the hill on the 17th tee at uh, TPC Sawgrass? Oh, definitely 12th at Augusta. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that, that's, oh, I mean, to be, to be, to it. be fair, I kind of do both. To be fair, I kind of like sitting on the, the hill at 17 at Sawgrass too. Oh, well, actually, I, I actually, I actually got in a conversation with some, so I'm playing TBC Sawgrass on uh, Monday, assuming I'm not COVID positive, of course. Uh, and humble brag. I, I said that TBC Sawgrass, the stadium course might be my least favorite good, <laughs> good course that I've ever played. But I, I amended that to say it might be my favorite tournament course to cover. In terms, so essentially, I don't want to play it, but I absolutely love seeing the best players in the world compete on it. Does that make sense? And would you agree? No, I get it because I don't want to play it. I, I don't enjoy playing that golf course. So good luck tomorrow if you're able to make it out. Simply because for someone of our ilk, there's nothing but trouble out there. Whereas the it's, tour just, floor, it's, it's tricked up. It's tricked up yes. nonsense. Yeah. 
a tour pro stands on the 10th tee and he sees miles and miles of places to hit it. I stand on the 10th tee and all I see is woods left, woods right. There's a swamp somewhere in between there filled with alligators and all kinds of other nastiness. And there's nothing good that's going to come from me. I might as well just throw my ball in the water and walk to the green. Yes. Okay. So next week's podcast, Rex, is going to be me recapping my round on Monday at TBC Sawgrass. Uh, you, I want you to be sitting in the 16th uh, skybox uh, as we do the oh, yeah. podcast next week. The Wi-Fi signal should be uh, just fine. I will be very curious to see uh, what your initial impressions are of the Thunderdome. Uh, enjoy the show. I know your production meeting is coming up here. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Make sure you check out Writer's Block, our new weekly digital video segment. Hopefully sponsors tuned by Grilling Company uh, on Sunday nights and Thursdays. Thank you guys for listening to this one. We'll talk to you soon.